Part two, chapter four, section two of Under Western Eyes by Joseph Conrad. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Part two, chapter four, section two. The Dame de Compagnie, listening up the stairs, where now two voices were alternating with some animation, made no answer for a time. When the loud sounds of the discussion had sunk into an almost inaudible murmur, she turned to Miss Halden. Yes, he died, but not literally speaking in my arms, as you might suppose. As a matter of fact, I was asleep when he breathed his last, so even now I cannot say I have seen anybody die. A few days before the end, some young men found us out in our extremity. They were revolutionists, as you might guess. He ought to have trusted in his political friends when he came out of prison. He had been liked and respected before, and nobody would have dreamed of reproaching him with his indiscretion before the police. Everybody knows how they go to work, and the strongest man has his moments of weakness before pain. Why, even hunger alone is enough to give one queer ideas as to what may be done. A doctor came, our lot was alleviated as far as physical comforts go, but otherwise he could not be consoled. Poor man. I assure you, Miss Halden, that he was very lovable, but I had not the strength to weep. I was nearly dead myself but there were kind hearts to take care of me. A dress was found to clothe my nakedness. I tell you, I was not decent, and after a time the revolutionists placed me with a Jewish family going abroad as governess. Of course I could teach the children, I finished the sixth class of the Lyceum, but the real object was that I should carry some important papers across the frontier. I was entrusted with a packet which I carried next my heart. The gendarmes at the station did not suspect the governess of a Jewish family busy looking after three children i don't suppose those hebrews knew what i had on me for i had been introduced to them in a very roundabout way by persons who did not belong to the revolutionary movement and naturally i had been instructed to accept a very small salary when we reached germany i left that family and delivered my papers to a revolutionist in stuttgart after this i was employed in various ways but you do not want to hear all that i have never felt that i was very useful but i live in hopes of seeing all the ministries destroyed finances and all the greatest joy of my life has been to hear what your brother has done she directed her round eyes again to the sunshine outside while the cat reposed within her folded arms in lordly beatitude and sphinx-like meditation yes i rejoice she began again for me there is a heroic ring about the very name of holden they must have been trembling with fear in their ministries, all those men with fiendish hearts. Here I stand talking to you, and when I think of all the cruelties, oppressions, and injustices that are going on at this very moment, my head begins to swim. I have looked closely at what would seem inconceivable if one's own eyes had not to be trusted. I have looked at things that made me hate myself for my helplessness. I hated my hands that had no power, my voice that could not be heard my very mind that would not become unhinged ah i have seen things and you miss halden was moved she shook her head slightly no i have seen nothing for myself as yet she murmured we have always lived in the country it was my brother's wish it is a curious meeting this between you and me continued the other do you believe in chance miss halden how could i have expected to see you his sister with my own eyes you know that when the news came the revolutionaries here were as much surprised as pleased every bit no one seemed to know anything about your brother peter ivanovitch himself had not foreseen that such a blow was going to be struck 
i suppose your brother was simply inspired i myself think that such deeds should be done by inspiration it is a great privilege to have the inspiration and the opportunity did he resemble you at all don't you rejoice miss haldin you must not expect too much from me said miss haldin repressing an inclination to cry which came over her suddenly she succeeded then added calmly i am not a heroic person you think you couldn't have done such a thing yourself perhaps i don't know i must not even ask myself till i have lived a little longer seen more the other moved her head appreciatively the purring of the cat had a loud complacency in the empty hall no sound of voices came from upstairs miss haldin broke the silence what is it precisely that you heard people say about my brother you said that they were surprised yes i suppose they were did it not seem strange to them that my brother should have failed to save himself after the most difficult part that is getting away from the spot was over conspirators should understand these things well there are reasons why i am very anxious to know how it is he failed to escape the dame de compagnie had advanced to the open hall door she glanced rapidly over her shoulder at miss haldin who remained within the hall failed to escape she repeated absently didn't he make the sacrifice of his life wasn't he just simply inspired wasn't it an act of abnegation aren't you certain what i am certain of said miss haldin is that it was not an act of despair have you not heard some opinion expressed here upon his miserable capture the dame de compagnie mused for a while in the doorway did i hear of course everything is discussed here has not all the world been speaking about your brother for my part the mere mention of his achievement plunges me into an envious ecstasy why should a man certain of immortality think of his life at all she kept her back turned to miss haldin upstairs from behind a great dingy white and gold door visible behind the balustrade of the first-floor landing a deep voice began to drone formally as if reading over notes or something of the sort it paused frequently and then ceased altogether i don't think i can stay any longer now said miss haldin i may return another day she waited for the dame de compagnie to make room for her exit but the woman appeared lost in the contemplation of sunshine and shadows sharing between themselves the stillness of the deserted grounds she concealed the view of the drive from miss haldin suddenly she said it will not be necessary here is peter ivanovitch himself coming up but he is not alone he is seldom alone now hearing that peter ivanovitch was approaching miss haldin was not so pleased as she might have been expected to be somehow she had lost the desire to see either the heroic captive or madame de s and the reason of that shrinking which came upon her at the very last minute is accounted for by the feeling that those two people had not been treated the woman with a cat kindly would you please let me pass said miss haldin at last touching lightly the shoulder of the dame de compagnie but the other pressing the cat to her breast did not budge i know who is with him she said without even looking back more unaccountably than ever miss haldin felt a strong impulse to leave the house madame de s may be engaged for some time yet and what i have got to say to peter ivanovitch is just a simple question which i might put to him when i meet him in the grounds on my way down i really think i must go i have been some time here and i am anxious to get back to my mother will you let me pass please the dame de compagnie turned her head at last i never supposed that you really wanted to see madame de s she said with unexpected insight not for a moment there was something confidential and mysterious in her tone 
she passed through the door with miss haldin following her on to the terrace and they descended side by side the moss-grown stone steps there was no one to be seen on the part of the drive visible from the front of the house they are hidden by the trees over there explained miss haldin's new acquaintance but you shall see them directly i don't know who that young man is to whom peter ivanovitch has taken such a fancy he must be one of us or he would not be admitted here when the others come you know what i mean by the others but i must say that he is not at all mystically inclined i don't know that i have made him out yet naturally i am never for very long in the drawing-room there is always something to do for me though the establishment here is not so extensive as the villa on the riviera but still there are plenty of opportunities for me to make myself useful to the left passing by the ivy-grown end of the stables appeared peter ivanovitch and his companion they walked very slowly conversing with some animation they stopped for a moment and peter ivanovitch was seen to gesticulate while the young man listened motionless with his arms hanging down and his head bowed a little he was dressed in a dark brown suit and a black hat the round eyes of the dame de compagnie remained fixed on the two figures which had resumed their leisurely approach an extremely polite young man she said you shall see what a bow he will make and it won't altogether be so exceptional either he bows in the same way when he meets me alone in the hall she moved on a few steps with miss haldin by her side and things happened just as she had foretold the young man took off his hat bowed and fell back while peter ivanovitch advanced quicker his black thick arms extended heartily and seized hold of both miss haldin's hands shook them and peered at her through his dark glasses that's right that's right he exclaimed twice approvingly and so you have been looked after by he frowned slightly at the dame de compagnie who was still nursing the cat i conclude eleanor madame de s is engaged i know she expected somebody to-day so the newspaper man did turn up eh she is engaged for all answer the dame de compagnie turned away her head it is very unfortunate very unfortunate indeed i very much regret that you should have been he lowered suddenly his voice but what is it surely you are not departing natalia victorovna you got bored waiting didn't you not in the least miss holden protested only i have been here some time and i am anxious to get back to my mother the time seemed long eh i am afraid our worthy friend here peter ivanovitch suddenly jerked his head sideways towards his right shoulder and jerked it up again a worthy friend here has not the art of shortening the moments of waiting no distinctly she has not the art and in that respect good intentions alone count for nothing the dame de compagnie dropped her arms and the cat found itself suddenly on the ground it remained quite still after alighting one hind leg stretched backwards miss haldin was extremely indignant on behalf of the lady companion believe me peter ivanovitch that the moments i have passed in the hall of this house have been not a little interesting and very instructive too they are memorable i do not regret the waiting but i see that the object of my call here can be attained without taking up madame de s s time at this point i interrupted miss holden the above relation is founded on her narrative which i have not so much dramatized as might be supposed she had rendered with extraordinary feeling and animation the very accent almost of the disciple of the old apple-woman the irreconcilable hater of ministries the voluntary servant of the poor miss holden's true and delicate humanity 
had been extremely shocked by the uncongenial fate of her new acquaintance that lady companion secretary whatever she was for my own part i was pleased to discover in it one more obstacle to intimacy with madame de s i had a positive abhorrence for the painted bedizened dead-faced glassy-eyed egeria of peter ivanovitch i do not know what was her attitude to the unseen but i know that in the affairs of this world she was avaricious greedy and unscrupulous it was within my knowledge that she had been worsted in a sordid and desperate quarrel about money matters with the family of her late husband the diplomatist some very august personages indeed whom in her fury she had insisted upon scandalously involving in her affairs had incurred her animosity i find it perfectly easy to believe that she had come to within an ace of being spirited away for reasons of state into some discreet maison de sang a madhouse of sorts to be plain it appears however that certain high-placed personages opposed it for reasons which but it's no use to go into details wonder may be expressed at a man in the position of a teacher of languages knowing all this with such definiteness a novelist says this and that of his personages and if only he knows how to say it earnestly enough he may not be questioned upon the inventions of his brain in which his own belief is made sufficiently manifest by a telling phrase a poetic image the accent of emotion art is great but i have no art and not having invented madame de s i feel bound to explain how i came to know so much about her my informant was the russian wife of a friend of mine already mentioned the professor of lausanne university it was from her that i learned the last fact of madame de s's history with which i intend to trouble my readers she told me speaking positively as a person who trusts her sources of the cause of madame de s's flight from russia some years before it was neither more nor less than this that she became suspect to the police in connection with the assassination of the emperor alexander the ground of this suspicion was either some unguarded expressions that escaped her in public or some talk overheard in her salon overheard we must believe by some guest perhaps a friend who hastened to play the informer i suppose at any rate the overheard matter seemed to imply her foreknowledge of that event and i think she was wise in not waiting for the investigation of such a charge some of my readers may remember a little book from her pen published in paris a mystically bad-tempered declamatory and frightfully disconnected piece of writing in which she all but admits the foreknowledge more than hints at its supernatural origin and plainly suggests in venomous innuendos that the guilt of the act was not with a terrorist but with a palace intrigue when i observed to my friend the professor's wife that the life of madame de s with its unofficial diplomacy its intrigues lawsuits favours disgrace expulsions its atmosphere of scandal occultism and charlatanism was more fit for the eighteenth century than for the conditions of our own time she assented with a smile but a moment after went on in a reflective tone charlatanism yes in a certain measure still times are changed there are forces now which were non-existent in the eighteenth century i should not be surprised if she were more dangerous than an englishman would be willing to believe and what's more she is looked upon as really dangerous by certain people chez nous Genou in this connection meant russia in general and the russian political police in particular the object of my digression from the straight course of miss holden's relation in my own words of her visit to the chateau borel was to bring forward that statement of my friend the professor's wife 
I wanted to bring it forward simply to make what I have to say presently of Mr. Razumov's presence in Geneva a little more credible. For this is a Russian story for Western ears, which, as I have observed already, are not attuned to certain tones of cynicism and cruelty, of moral negation, and even of moral distress already silenced at our end of Europe. In this I state as my excuse for having left Miss Holden standing, one of the little group of two women and two men who had come together below the terrace of the Chateau Borel. The knowledge which I have just stated was in my mind when, as I have said, I interrupted Miss Holden. I interrupted her with a cry of profound satisfaction. So you never saw Madame de S. after all? Miss Holden shook her head. It was very satisfactory to me. She had not seen Madame de S. That was excellent, excellent. I welcomed the conviction that she would never know Madame de S. Now, I could not explain the reason of the conviction but by the knowledge that Miss Holden was standing face to face with her brother's wonderful friend. I preferred him to Madame de S. as a companion and guide of that young girl, abandoned to her inexperience by the miserable end of her brother. But at any rate, that life now ended had been sincere, and perhaps its thoughts might have been lofty, its moral sufferings profound, its last act a true sacrifice. It is not for us, the staid lovers, calmed by the possession of a conquered liberty, to condemn without appeal the fierceness of thwarted desire. I am not ashamed of the warmth of my regard for Miss Holden. It was, it must be admitted, an unselfish sentiment being its own reward. The late Victor Holden, in the light of that sentiment, appeared to me not as a sinister conspirator, but as a pure enthusiast. I did not wish indeed to judge him, but the very fact that he did not escape, that fact which brought so much trouble to both his mother and his sister, spoke to me in his favour. Meantime, in my fear of seeing the girl surrender to the influence of the Chateau Borel revolutionary feminism, I was more than willing to put my trust in that friend of the late Victor Holden. He was nothing but a name, you will say. Exactly, a name. And what's more, the only name the only name to be found in the correspondence between brother and sister. The young man had turned up, they had come face to face, and fortunately without the direct interference of Madame de S. What will come of it? What will she tell me presently? I was asking myself. It was only natural that my thoughts should turn to the young man, the bearer of the only name uttered in all the dream talk of a future to be brought about by a revolution. And my thought took the shape of asking myself why this young man had not called upon these ladies. He had been in Geneva for some days before Miss Holden heard of him first in my presence from Peter Ivanovitch. I regretted that last presence at their meeting. I would rather have had it happen somewhere out of his spectacled sight. But I supposed that, having both these young people there, he introduced them to each other. I broke the silence by beginning a question on that point. I suppose Peter Ivanovitch... Miss Holden gave vent to her indignation... Peter Ivanovitch, directly he had got his answer from her, had turned upon the dame de compagnie in a shameful manner. Turned upon her, I wondered? What about? For what reason? It was unheard of. It was shameful, Miss Holden pursued, with angry eyes. Il lui a fait une scène, like this, before strangers. And for what? You would never guess. For some eggs. Oh! I was astonished. Eggs, did you say? For Madame de S. That lady observes a special diet or something of the sort. It seems she complained the day before to Peter Ivanovitch that the eggs were not rightly prepared. Peter Ivanovitch suddenly remembered this against the poor woman and flew out at her. It was most astonishing. I stood as if rooted. 
do you mean to say that the great feminist allowed himself to be abusive to a woman i asked oh not that it was something you have no conception of it was an odious performance imagine he raised his hat to begin with he made his voice soft and deprecatory ah you are not kind to us you will not deign to remember this sort of phrases that sort of tone the poor creature was terribly upset her eyes ran full of tears she did not know where to look i shouldn't wonder if she would have preferred abuse or even a blow i did not remark that very possibly she was familiar with both on occasions when no one was by miss haldin walked by my side her head up in scornful and angry silence great men have their surprising peculiarities i observed inanely exactly like men who are not great but that sort of thing cannot be kept up for ever how did the great feminist wind up this very characteristic episode miss haldin without turning her face my way told me that the end was brought about by the appearance of the interviewer who had been closeted with madame de s he came up rapidly unnoticed lifted his hat slightly and paused to say in french the baroness has asked me in case i met a lady on my way out to desire her to come in at once after delivering this message he hurried down the drive the dame de compagnie flew towards the house and peter ivanovitch followed her hastily looking uneasy in a moment miss haldin found herself alone with the young man who undoubtedly must have been the new arrival from russia she wondered whether her brother's friend had not already guessed who she was i am in a position to say that as a matter of fact he had guessed it is clear to me that peter ivanovitch for some reason or other had refrained from alluding to these ladies presence in geneva but razumov had guessed the trustful girl every word uttered by holden lived in razumov's memory they were like haunting shapes they could not be exorcised the most vivid amongst them was the mention of the sister the girl had existed for him ever since but he did not recognize her at once coming up with peter ivanovitch he did observe her their eyes had met even he had responded as no one could help responding to the harmonious charm of her whole person its strength its grace its tranquil frankness and then he had turned his gaze away he said to himself that all this was not for him the beauty of women and the friendship of men were not for him he accepted that feeling with a purposeful sternness and tried to pass on it was only her outstretched hand which brought about the recognition it stands recorded in the pages of his self-confession that it nearly suffocated him physically with an emotional reaction of hate and dismay as though her appearance had been a piece of accomplished treachery he faced about the considerable elevation of the terrace concealed them from anyone lingering in the doorway of the house and even from the upstairs windows they could not have been seen through the thickets run wild and the trees of the gently sloping grounds he had cold placid glimpses of the lake a moment of perfect privacy had been vouchsafed to them at this juncture i wondered to myself what use they had made of that fortunate circumstance did you have time for more than a few words i asked that animation with which she had related to me the incidents of her visit to the chateau borel had left her completely strolling by my side she looked straight before her but i noticed a little colour on her cheek she did not answer me end of part two chapter four section two recording by expatria in bangor maine